Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, we're going to sleep and we're counting down the top five things that you should never get rid of. During sleep, uh, that's one of the times that the brain is kind of repairing itself. It's doing some important janitorial work. So it's literally clearing out toxins from the cerebral spinal fluid, which is literally your brain juice. We are also hardwired to be sleeping at certain time uh, at certain times of day. So, for example, I am a biologically hardwired night owl. So, for example, if I need eight hours of sleep per night, and I get it from midnight to eight a.m., I feel absolutely great. But if I get the same amount of sleep, still eight hours, but I get it from ten p.m. to six a.m., I feel like total crap. So we're completely messing up the brain's ability to tell what time it is. And when the brain, the SCN, is confused about what time it is, it's not as able to regulate our bodies. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So something that really annoys me is when you see these stories on the news and they talk about, you need to get more sleep. Sleep is really important. Yeah, Everybody knows that. Everybody knows they should be getting more sleep, and everybody knows that it's important. But what are you actually going to do about it? Our first guest has some real, practical tips about what you can actually do about it. And as a clinical scientist, she also has this fascinating insight into what sleep is doing to our brains and to our bodies, and what happens in cases where she has patients that aren't getting enough sleep. This is sleep psychologist, Dr. Jade Wu. So obviously sleep is important, but why is it so important? What is it doing to the brain and the body? Sleep is incredibly important. It's actually doing a lot of different functions uh, for the body and the brain. For example, during sleep, uh, that's one of the times that the brain is kind of repairing itself. It's doing some important janitorial work. So it's literally clearing out toxins from the cerebral spinal fluid, which is literally your brain juice. So, you know, the, the stuff that accumulates during the day um, that your brain doesn't need really needs to be 
taken out during sleep. And if it accumulates too much when there's not enough sleep, then it builds up and builds up and builds up and can increase your risk for something like Alzheimer's disease. Of course, it's not like if you miss a couple nights of sleep, you'll have Alzheimer's. It doesn't work like that. But prolonged chronic sleep deprivation can prevent your body and your brain from repairing properly. And aside from repairing itself, sleep is also just uh, important for normal growth. So for example, in kids and in teenagers, especially sleep is doing a lot of developmental growth. Um, that's where a lot of the reproductive hormones are doing their work during adolescence. That's where uh, the growth hormones are flowing for kids to grow their bodies and their brains. It's doing emotional processing. It's consolidating the memories. So all of the normal functions that we do as humans really have a lot of their bases in sleep. Does anybody actually get enough sleep? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. My clients after they work with me, um, <laughs> uh, I'm only partially kidding there. Um, I think plenty of people do get enough sleep and the, I think the more important question maybe to ask is how do we know what is enough sleep? Because we often see the number eight flowing around, right? The eight hours, you should get eight to nine hours or seven to eight hours. But I think that's a little bit misleading because that's like asking, you know, how many calories should you consume? Well, it depends on who you are. You know, are you Michael Phelps or are you uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? You know, they both do very important jobs, but one of them probably eats a lot more than the other. And it kind of works similarly for sleep. Um, for someone who is um, very physically active and maybe a teenager, someone who is doing a lot of physical work, they probably need more sleep than someone who is older, like in their 70s or 80s and not doing as much physical work and not doing as much um, brain development, you know, as a child. So it really depends on your, your genetic predisposition, your age, your lifestyle, uh, your physical activity, um, your circadian rhythm, a bunch of different things. So it's not actually too easy of a question to answer, but I think it's an important one to start with before you tell yourself, oh, I'm not getting enough sleep or I am getting enough sleep. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I think that the, the question would then be like, how do I know if I'm getting enough sleep or if I've just adjusted <laughs> to the pattern that I'm in? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I think the only way you can figure out if you're getting enough sleep for you is to see how much your body can consistently sleep without getting insomnia. So that means giving yourself plenty of opportunity to sleep. So not burning the candle at both ends, uh, you know, making sure you wind down at the end of the day so you can let yourself feel sleepy cues, um, like the yawning and the eyes drifting, uh, making sure that you can feel those cues when your body does get sleepy. But, you know, if you start to get insomnia, as in trouble falling asleep or trouble staying asleep or waking up too early, then maybe you're giving yourself too much time to sleep. So it's a little bit of a trial and error. I mean, when I, when I hear insomnia, I'm thinking basically like people sleeping one or two hours a night. Like what, what exactly is insomnia? 
You know, I've actually have had clients with insomnia who slept about eight or nine hours a night, but they still had insomnia. So your question is a really good one. It's not about the quantity of sleep that you get. It's about whether that quantity of sleep matches your need and whether you have trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. So the official definition of insomnia disorder is you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, uh, waking up too early, or otherwise not getting the, the pattern or quality of sleep that you like that you would like. Um, and this is causing you problems in the daytime, not just at night. And this is happening despite having enough opportunity to sleep. So this last point is really important. Insomnia is not someone burning the candle at both ends, a college student pulling all-nighters because they're studying for exams, or single mom working three jobs, they don't have enough time to sleep. Those, those situations are not insomnia. Those situations are sleep deprivation. Insomnia is not sleep deprivation. Plenty of people with insomnia are actually getting enough sleep, objectively sleep uh, speaking, but they're they're trying. They're either trying too hard to sleep too early, or they um, they keep waking up and not being able to fall back asleep, or their body and their mind are just too hyped up so that they're not getting the restful type of sleep that they would like. When we talk about the amount of sleep that somebody should be getting. I'll just use myself for an example. Like I, I usually get seven hours of sleep. But could I be in a situation where like, oh, if I got seven hours and 15 minutes, I, I could be a genius or something like that. Is it, is it sm- <laughs> You know what I mean? Like am I missing out just by not getting enough sleep? Like could I not unlock my full potential, so to speak? Um, I would say there are – okay, there are two parts – in my answer to your question. The first part, the direct answer is, sure, it's possible. Uh, I doubt that 15 minutes would make much of a difference, but it's possible that you're someone who actually biologically needs, let's say, nine hours, but you haven't been giving yourself the chance to get nine hours, so you know your seven hours are just not cutting it. That's very possible, and you would know that if you are you know, really cranky during the day, can't concentrate, can't function really well. Um, you're running on just an empty tank all the time. You feel really draggy. Um, all of these signs uh, could point towards you not get, getting enough sleep. Now, one way you could find out if you have, uh, if you're lucky enough to be able to do this is to just give yourself free reign to sleep more or give yourself time to be in bed more just in case you could sleep more um, and play with that. See if maybe you can consistently sleep seven and a quarter, seven and a half maybe eight even. And if you can consistently do that without getting insomnia, so again, without trouble falling asleep, uh, staying asleep, or waking up too early, then it it will have turned out that you did need more sleep. But if you start trying to sleep more, but you know, you're just tossing and turning, you're waking up a lot, you're waking up too early, then maybe seven was actually the right amount for you. Um, so that's the first part of the answer. The second part is that I think one question that's sort of underlying your question that's not getting asked is about circadian rhythm. So this is your body clock. We all have a roughly 24-hour biological clocks that we run on. And our bodies and our brains run best when we uh, when 
sorry, let me say that again. So our bodies and our brains run best when we're running on a consistent 24-hour cycle and when our sleep timing matches what our body wants to do. So have you heard of people being like night owls or morning larks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's actually a biologically hardwired thing. That's not just people's preference. Oh, like I like being a morning person or, oh, you know, I'm a party animal. I'm a night owl. So I like to sleep in and I'm lazy. It's not like that. Well, it's partially like that maybe, but we are also hardwired to be sleeping at certain time, uh, at certain times of day. So for example, I am a biologically hardwired night owl. So for example, if I need eight hours of sleep per night and I get it, from midnight to 8am, I feel absolutely great. I jump out of bed and I'm ready to go and I'm on top of the world. But if I get the same amount of sleep, still eight hours, but I get it from 10pm to 6am, I feel like total crap for the whole day. It takes me like eight hours to boot up. So the timing of your sleep actually really matters. So when you say that you sleep seven hours a night, and maybe you could be reaching more of your full potential if you got more. I'm wondering if, you know, if you don't feel at your 100%, maybe you don't need more sleep. Maybe you need to sleep at a different time. I had never heard that before. I never even thought of that. Like, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. just when you, it's not how much, it's when you get the sleep too. Absolutely. It's such an underrated topic, I think, all over the news, all over, you know, these social media health campaigns. Uh, we're talking about how much sleep we need, and that is really important. But I think we're really neglecting to talk about the timing aspect. And that is actually more important than what I even just said. Um, did you know that uh, out of all the list, out of the whole list of probable carcinogens, the only item that is not a chemical is circadian misalignment, meaning your body not running on a 24-hour cycle, not sleeping when you should be. So this was born out of research showing that rotating shift workers and night shift workers are at a greater risk for cancer than people who work day shifts and regular shifts. I'll edit this part out, but for years, I worked as a news reporter on the morning shift, and I, I, am, oh. I am sure that I have taken years off my life. Oof. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That it's, really sucks. It's just not natural. Like we should not be doing this. Exactly. Uh, and I don't think you even should edit that part out. Or I mean, obviously it's up to you. But I think that our personal experiences are really valid. You know, when we say we feel like total crap when we get up early in the morning, that's not just us you know, being crybabies about it. We really truly don't function well when we get up too early or get up too late for that matter. So knowing the timing of when you need to sleep is really important. When when you see patients, what is the most common complaint? Like what's usually the reason that they're coming to see you besides not getting enough sleep? Like what's the underlying cause of it? Sure. The most common complaint I get when they first come into the office is I read insert newspaper article, magazine article, the book, Why We Sleep. Uh, and now I'm afraid that I'm going to get dementia. I'm going to die early. I'm going to have a heart attack. Uh, people are really, really anxious about their sleep, especially people who are 
otherwise high functioning, otherwise doing well in life, um, otherwise more or less healthy, they tend to be the most anxious about their sleep. So they're the ones reading headlines about how we should get eight hours or else. And they're worried that their seven and a half hours is not cutting it. And because they were worried that their seven and a half hours wasn't cutting it, they were doing things like going to bed too early or trying to sleep in or trying to take naps or trying to to meditate really hard. But meditating is not something you should be doing really hard. Um, but they've sort of worked themselves up into this anxiety about sleep that ironically then fed into their anxiety. And now they've had anxiety for years and they're dependent on some sort of sleep medication and they would really like to come off of it. And that's why they ended up in my office. What is basically like all of this screen time doing to our sleep cycles? Yes, I like that you said sleep cycles because this goes back to the biological clock question. So our clocks uh, run on, like I said, on a about 24-hour cycle. But how do we know? Like, how do our brains know what time it is, right? So the master clock in the brain, called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, or the SCN for short, uh, the SCN is the master clock that the rest of your body looks to to see what time it is. And the only way, or not the only way, but the main way that the SCN knows what time it is is by how much light is coming into your eyes. So there are actually cells in the back of your eyes, in the retina, um, that project directly to the brain to, you know, almost directly to the SCN to say, oh, it's bright outside or, oh, no, it's dark outside. And our ancestors, you know, ones that didn't have iPads and didn't have electricity, uh, when it was dark, it was night. And when it was light, it was day. So our brains had a very, very clear cue for knowing what time it was. But now we are watching our TVs and on our phones and on our iPads well into the night after sun has set. And we are working indoors in offices that maybe don't have a lot of light or, you know, we're working night shift or something like that. And so we're completely messing up the brain's ability to tell what time it is. And when the brain, the SCN, is confused about what time it is, it's not as able to regulate our bodies. And importantly, not as able to regulate our sleep. And that's part of why we sometimes have trouble sleeping or don't get good quality sleep. Does night mode, if like people put it on that, does that help or is that just kind of like a marketing trick? No, that does help actually. So um, if you think about it, our caveman ancestors, they did have some light after sunset, right? They had campfires or bonfires. So these fires are orangey in tone or red. So these lights actually do not set our biological clocks. So having some orangey warm light after sunset is perfectly fine. Um, so having your phone on night mode, uh, uh, wearing blue blocking glasses, which are basically amber colored, you know, lenses that filter out the blue lights, uh, the blue wavelengths that do set our uh, brain clocks. Um, all of those things can help. What, what, like, what's your, for you, like, what's your recommended routine for people in terms of just getting ready to go to bed? Is there, like, do they need to be doing something specific or do they just need to do the same thing? I think they just need to do generally the same thing, more or less, uh, as long as those things are pretty pleasant and 
more or less relaxing. There are no hard and fast rules about what you must do. It's not like you have to listen to rain sounds or have to read a book.、Um, do whatever works for you. For myself, I. Well, right now may not be the best example because I do have a four-month-old, so a lot of it revolves around him. But if he's sleeping well, then my routine is to kind of、uh, wind down, take a shower,、um, drink a little bit of water, and let's see, I have a little light snack. I do some reading or journaling. I hang out with my husband. I listen to an audio book, and then I go to sleep. So that's my routine. But it, you don't. Have to do that exact same thing. As long as you're doing something relaxing and pleasant, don't try to do your taxes right before bedtime. Don't have an argument with your spouse right before bed. Or if you have to do that, don't do it in the bedroom. Try to do it in the kitchen or something, or save the argument for the next day. I've heard something that like you're not supposed to. The bed is for sleeping and for let's say enjoyment, and anything other than that, you're not supposed to like be in the bedroom. Is that true? Yes, I think that's a really, really good point. And the reason is that our brains are just really good at putting two and two together. You know, like if we always,、uh, let's see, what's a good example?、Um, if every time you go to grandma's house, you get delicious cookies,、uh, then your mouth is going to start watering every time you walk into grandma's house, right? Like our brains are very good at anticipating what's about to happen. So if you are Arguing with your spouse in the bedroom. If you are playing Grand Theft Auto in your bedroom, if you are, you know, watching the latest political debate in the bedroom, you're not going to be relaxed in the bedroom because when you get in there, your brain's going to go, "Oh, I know what place this is. This is a place to get all riled up and get frustrated." So then your body starts to automatically do its arousal. Um, fight or flight thing, and you won't really be able to fall asleep well like that. What's the most interesting sleep disorder you've ever dealt with? Hmm. So there are a bunch of interesting ones called parasomnia. So this is like the sleepwalking, the night terrors, the sleep paralysis, all of the freaky stuff that、um, are actually quite. Scary and disturbing if you experience it,、um, but are not necessarily that bad for your health. So I mean, there's a range, and I think the most interesting case I've seen is a sexsomnia case where someone someone was having sex in their sleep and they were not aware of it. Every time I see sleepwalking in movies, I was like, "Okay, one person has ever had." Is that actually like common stuff? Like that really happens to people a lot. It's not common. It's not common.、Uh, I, off the top of my head, I do not know the prevalence, but I bet it would be less than one percent, like far less than one percent in adults. It is not uncommon in children, though.、Um, so I, I know that you have a four-year-old, for example. It would not be super surprising if, in a few years' time, he has some sleepwalking episodes. And there's nothing wrong with that. That does not predict sleep problems later on in life.、Um, children tend to outgrow these sleepwalking episodes and night terrors and things like that、uh, by ad- adolescence.、Um, sometimes I do see late teens, early twenties、um, sleep、uh, cases of sleepwalking or night terrors or. Really terrible nightmares,、um, but usually there are some substances or mood disorders or other things involved there.、Um, so, long story short, you know, for kids, don't worry about it. 
for adolescents, get it checked out. For adults, it's very rare. Definitely get it checked out. Um, but it's very, very unlikely to happen. So when we go to sleep, do we know, like, where are we going? Do we know what <laughs> happens to consciousness? Like, do you, do we know? Oh, that's a very interesting question. I think this question kind of assumes that there is a difference between the mind and the body. Am I right in understanding that? Yeah, I just wonder, like, I'm asleep, but what's, but my brain's not really asleep. So what's going on? Well, that part is correct. Your, your brain is, well, your brain is asleep in the sense that it's going through all of the processes and it's um, exhibiting all the characteristics that we call sleep, but it's not turned off. So it's not like when you turn off a computer or put a computer to sleep, it's in a dormant state, right? It's like hibernating. It's not really on or doing anything. But our brains are actually quite active when we sleep. So there are different stages of sleep that do different things. But for example, like I said earlier, during deep sleep, your brain is doing a lot of janitorial work and repair work, um, releasing lots of growth hormones if you're a young person. And another stage of sleep is called REM, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep. And this is a very active stage of sleep. It's actually, when you look at brainwaves during REM, it almost looks like someone's brainwaves when they're awake. And this is where your brain is doing a lot of editorial work. So it's taking snippets of information, whether it's... Uh, it, you know, information about, uh, you know, knowledge that you learned or emotional things that you experienced, um, you know, movies that you saw, interactions that you had. It's taking all of these snippets that you gathered up during the day and trying to organize them, trying to prune them, you know, get rid of the ones that are not useful, retain the ones that are useful, make connections between disparate events to stitch it all together into a cohesive whole. All of this is going on while you're sleeping. Are you ready for the harder slash listener submitted questions? Sure. Bring it on. What is the best side of the body to sleep on? Back, side, or face down? Well, I wouldn't put your face directly into your pillow because that doesn't sound like it's good for breathing. And otherwise, if you don't have sleep apnea, sleeping in whatever position is comfortable is fine. And you don't need to, again, if you don't have sleep apnea, you can find yourself in any position of sleep and there's no reason to correct it. If you're uncomfortable, change your position. If you're comfortable, stay put. Now I put in the important caveat of sleep apnea because this is a really, really serious breathing related sleep disorder where during sleep, sometimes you stop breathing for 10 seconds or more at a time. And because your oxygen uh, level drops, your brain wakes you up in order to breathe. So that means you're waking up a bunch during the night trying to breathe. Now, this is a really serious problem because breathing is really important. And generally speaking, for people with sleep apnea, they tend to have less apnea when they're sleeping on their side rather than on their back. So first of all, if you are a heavy snorer and if you're overweight and if you're over the age of 50, and especially if you're a man, 
you should go ask your doctor about sleep apnea. Chances are you have it. What is the least amount of sleep one of your patients has ever had and operated normally? Ooh, interesting. Hmm. I think I'm remembering. Are we talking about cons- on a consistent basis, or are we talking about acutely? Because I've had people not sleep at all for a night and been fine the next day. But long term, I don't think I've seen anyone sleep less than probably four or five hours consistently and be okay. That's pretty much like that's the limit, right? When you really. Generally speaking, I would definitely not recommend sleeping less than five hours consistently. If that's you, then you should definitely get that checked out. What do you think about some of those, you know, weird or not? Maybe they're not weird, but some of those sleep patterns where, you know, I sleep for 20 minutes every three hours or something like that that have been put out there from time to time. Is that really, is that a real thing? Like, could that really work? Uh, I will never say never because there are genetic anomalies in almost any situation. However, I would definitely not recommend doing that if your body is not, well, let me, let me say that again. I would definitely not recommend doing that because this is going back to the body clock. Uh, once you're an adult or even before you're an adult, once you're no longer two months old, uh, you really should not be sleeping in little bursts of 20 minutes, uh, at all because you should have a circadian rhythm. You should have a body clock. And once your body clock is established in about the second or third month of life, that is the most healthy way of sleeping is to sleep mostly at night and almost none during the day. Should we take a nap? Is a nap good for you in the day? It depends. If you're severely sleep deprived and consistently sleep deprived and there's no other way of getting you more sleep at night, then certainly take a nap to make up for it. And I'm including teenagers in this, by the way. Almost all teenagers are sleep deprived because high school start way too early. Teenagers need about nine hours of sleep and their circadian clocks are biologically hardwired to be night owls. So really high school should not start until like 10 a.m. in my humble opinion. Um, so teenagers definitely take a nap if you can. Um, people who are, you know, working night shifts, there are circumstances in which a nap could be very helpful. People who are long haul drivers take a nap for sure. Take a nap. Um, and otherwise I would say, don't go out of your way to take a nap unless you absolutely have to for safety reasons. Can it be cumulative in the sense that like, okay, what if I need seven hours of sleep consistently? Like that's more my average. That's where I fit in. But I get five hours one night and nine hours the next night. Like does it balance out or if you don't get it, you don't get it and it's over with? No, it does not balance out because – This goes back to the circadian clock issue. If you're getting five hours one night and nine hours the other night, you're not sleeping on a 24-hour consistent pattern, or rather your 24-hour pattern is not consistent from day to day. So lots of people do this, right? They sleep uh, not enough on weekdays because they have to get up really early for work, and then they try to make up for it by sleeping in for a few hours on weekends. So what you're doing is you're jet lagging yourself. 
Like, let's say you usually wake up at 6 a.m. on weekdays, but then you sleep in until 9 a.m. on weekends, and then you're back to 6 a.m. on Monday. You just flew yourself from New York to California and back over the course of a weekend, and there was nothing to, you know, make up for that jet lag. That may even be worse than if you got, on average, a little less sleep, but it was consistent all seven days. Um, here's one of the quirkier questions. How come we don't die in dreams? Huh. No, I don't know the answer to this question. That is a really fascinating question. And the, the one hypothesis that popped into my mind is that generally our dreams are made up of at least little building blocks of things that we've experienced in real life. Often we do things like fly or swim underwater and things that are obviously not possible in real life, but we know what water is and we know what flying is. So maybe we sort of put those together and we can create this new reality, but none of us who are dreaming have died because we're still alive so we don't have any piece of that experience to contribute to the dream narrative that's that's what what i'm guessing that is not based on science at all that's a, I, that makes a lot of sense it's actually a fantastic answer really <laughs> if, right you always experience something that you have experienced it's at never a little bit right <laughs> like we can't see colors that we haven't ever seen yeah I read something one time, and maybe this is your area, maybe it's not, but that the brain cannot actually create anything new. It can only take things that is seen before and combine them in new combinations. But it can't straight up create something new. I believe that. I, I would say it cannot create any new sensory sensory experiences. You know, like we can't see colors we haven't seen. We can't hear pitches that we've never heard before and we probably cannot dream death because we don't know what that feels like single best thing we can do for our sleep single worst thing people are doing for their sleep who um hmm, single best thing just because I'm on a circadian kick right now and I really want to get up on my circadian soapbox, the single best thing you can do for your sleep is to keep a consistent wake-up time. That's like dropping an anchor into your 24-hour cycle that keeps you in line, that keeps your body functioning on that 24-hour cycle. And the more consistent you get, the better you'll sleep, the better you'll wake, and the better you'll do pretty much everything. Uh, single worst thing you can do for your sleep is to not get your potential sleep apnea checked out. Is an alarm clock a bad thing? No, no. Alarm clock is great because it keeps you consistent in the mornings. Really? I would think that it like pops you out of some cycle or something. It's actually not terrible to pop out of a cycle. I mean, sleep is not built to be this uh, rigid, set-in-stone machinery where you have to do it in exactly the same way or else. Sleep is actually a very dynamic and very adaptable state of being because if you think about it, our ancestors, they couldn't just drop dead into sleeping like a log for eight hours and not wake up, right? They had to be able to be um, roused out of sleep if there was a predator around or if they got too cold or if they got too hot. So, you know, these, um, the 
uh, your awakening during the night is actually not a bad thing. This is natural stop gaps that your brain has built in to make sure that conditions are still good and you're still safe. And in fact, I would here, let me ask you this. How many times do you think a healthy, good sleeper wakes up during the night on average? God, I mean, I would say I probably do it two times, maybe, uh-huh. but I would say like a healthy sleep would be none, would be oh, my wow. guess. Okay, so <laughs> interesting that you don't think you you of yourself as a healthy sleeper, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so try 12 to 15 times. Are you serious? Like, you just don't remember? Yeah. If you look at the um, EEG, which is basically the brain, like a way of measuring brain waves. If you look at the um, EEG data of a full night's sleep for a healthy sleeper, you see, you know, all the different stages of sleep. You see the cycles of sleep and you see like 10 to 15 awakenings. And that's very, very normal. But like fully awake or kind of awake? Like their brain is fully awake, but they probably don't remember most of those awakenings because they're very brief. So they roll over, they fall back to sleep, or maybe they get up to go to use the bathroom. So they vaguely sort of remember getting up and then they roll around and go back to sleep. So it's healthy to remember probably, you know, one to three awakenings. So you're actually right on target with your two. Um, because, you know, two or three or one, one, two or three sort of more fuller awakenings that last a few minutes is totally normal. And then there's probably a bunch more brief awakenings that you don't know about that are also totally normal. If you had to pick one thing, what would you say, whether it's a disorder or it's something the brain, the brain does, or it's just something about sleep itself? What would you say is the single most interesting thing about sleep? Hmm. Just that it happens. You know, that for almost a third of our existence, we are in this interesting state of being alive and our brains are working and our bodies are working, but we're not conscious or at least we're not conscious in the same way that we are when we're awake. I just find that fascinating that this is built into biology, that all complex organisms and some not complex organisms all have this thing that we do. And it's great. It feels great. <laughs> That's what I love about sleep. Could you imagine if we ever had something that could basically mimic all of the effects of sleep and we would have it completely normal, but we didn't actually sleep? Like we just stayed up our whole lives. That would be so sad. Can you imagine that? That would be like you'd have no beginning or end to your day. It would be like a just a slog, just a there's there's no catharsis. It's like like you hear one of those like EDM beats and the beat never drops. Like, <laughs> like that's how I would think of being awake for a really long time. And actually I recently kind of experienced something like that because as I said, I have a four month old. So, you know, as of maybe a month or two ago, things started to get back to normal for me ish. But in the first month or two, I mean, I was around the clock. I slept, but I slept in like two hour chunks, three hour chunks here and there at any 
time of day or night, just like my baby baby did. And that was really tough. That first month felt like a year because the day never ended and I never felt refreshed. So no, if we had a technology that could mimic sleep, that would um, make it so that we don't have to, I would not, I would not take advantage of that. I would still do my sleep. No, I wouldn't either. Um, that's pretty much all I got is what's, what's coming up next for you? How can people kind of get a hold of you if they want to contact you? Sure. My website is www.jadewuphd.com. So that's just my name, uh, which is spelled J-A-D-E-W-U-P-H-D.com. I write blog posts. I post um, some of my podcast episodes, which is the Savvy Psychologist podcast. Um, I offer resources for sleep for both adults and children. And um, I show you some cool research I'm working on. I want to thank Dr. Wu so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have also included her information on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Okay. Now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. Hello? What keeps you up at night? keeps me up at night oh don't do the thing where you repeat the question trying to stall (laughs) i mean nothing comes to mind is that bad no i mean so you're saying okay you go to bed you put your head on the pillow how long before you're asleep five to ten minutes tops oh okay but but let's not forget i don't uh i i don't sleep a whole lot so by the time i get to bed i'm i'm like out so okay i mean but you've never like been kept up once in your life? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I, I I've been kept up thinking about things for the next day, whether I, you know, I, I like a job interview or or just excitement for something, but n- not just like g- generically, just hey, I'm I can't go to sleep because you know this is keeping me up. But there have been certain occasions. Okay, well, this was really disappointing. I was hoping you were going to have like a really good answer and you didn't you basically <laughs> nothing i mean dude, is there something that keeps you up at night no <laughs> not really <laughs> I, mean, I mean if something's bothering me i just have a little bit of grandpa's old cough medicine and i don't worry about shit when i go to bed <laughs> yeah that's kind of my strategy too right <laughs> but okay if you wake up in the middle of the night say you wake up at like 2 or 3 a.m are you a kind of person that's i've never understood people who just get up like, oh, 3 a.m., went to the bathroom, don't have to be at work till 7, but might as well get up. <laughs> I am I am definitely that person, 100%. Why? I, I think the fear of, of oversleeping, which for me would never happen because I always wake up usually anyway, so I have the internal time clock. Uh, oh, badass sleeper over here. <laughs> Sorry, what, Billy. You're a grown-ass man and you have to use an alarm clock to get up? Yeah, dude. Who doesn't use an alarm clock to get up? I think if you asked 100 people if they use an alarm clock to wake up, 99 of them are going to say yeah. Who just wakes up naturally? People who are well, well-oiled, well disciplined machines. That's who. Okay, but here's disclaimer. You also wake up like two hours before you actually need to wake up to sit around and do nothing. Yeah, that's quite true. I, it's, not, it's not not to do anything. As I've said before, that's like my time to relax without anybody bothering me. See, so you're not really pushing it to the limit. 
Everybody else is pushing it to the limit, trying to get as much sleep as possible. You're over here relaxing all day long. So you don't need an alarm clock because you don't need to be – if you have to be somewhere at 7, you're waking up at like 4 o'clock just to screw around. Yeah, but if, if I have to be somewhere at 7, I'm there on time. I'm there before being on time well, instead of rushing around. Okay, but then don't make fun of people who use an alarm clock because they want to get some extra sleep instead of staring at Sports Center for 15 <laughs> times in a row. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making fun of anybody. I just. It's just. Just. Just me. I don't know what else to say about it. Just how I. How I operate. I. You know. There's no worse feeling in the world to me than oversleeping and, and realizing. You know. Say you have to be to work at 8:30 and you wake up at 8:17. Knowing you're just gonna be late by that, you know that much. You can like get, that, you can that, get to work. Terrible feeling. You can get to work in 13 minutes. Uh, I mean, it's more like 20, but yes, I, I can get to work to work from my house in about 20 minutes. Okay, if you have to be somewhere at 8:30, like how many minutes late do you consider actually late? Like, oh, I'm actually late. If you're there at 8:33, do you think, oh, I'm late? A hundred percent. If I'm there at like eight thirty one, I'm considered late. It's it's quite annoying, I think, to everybody in my life. Yeah, that does sound annoying. I think there's a I'm, five minute grace period. Like if you're there at eight thirty five, you're basically on time. Not really, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, I, you know, you know, in our business, we have a lot of meetings, and you know, people will will roll in twenty minutes, thirty minutes late. I don't say anything, but. To me, if that was me, I'm I, you know I'm always there on time or, or early. I'm not, I'm never late. I think that you're kind of asleep and a punctuality snob. <laughs> Definitely not a punctuality snob because you, you you call me out. I think every episode uh, on my punctuality. Um, I do. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, let's let's hear it. Let's hear the end of this thought. Let's see where this goes. <laughs> Fuck. You got nothing. You had nothing to say. Yeah, I got, now, I got nothing. I got nothing. You got me. Okay. Well, and welcome to welcome to the middle of August, where everything's just going to shit, anyways. That's like when you said, "I'm going to tell you three things," and you only actually have two, and you guys are like, um, and don't <laughs> do drugs. What? <laughs> you ever be in a conversation with somebody and they're they're talking and they go, you know, first, second, and then third, they're just like, uh. Uh, <laughs> just walk they, away. they got no three. <laughs> you always got to have the three, right? Don't <laughs> never put numbers to a list unless you have all of those things ready to go, right? Like never say there's the five rules of this unless you really have five and you know it's five, because otherwise you're gonna screw up <laughs> and people are gonna think you're an idiot and you only have four. All right, oh, so let, let's 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 move on. I, I mean, you got nothing else, so let's go. <laughs> Are uh, you you ready to to make some people famous? We ready? Are we to that point of this uh, pitiful discussion already? Sure, I guess. <laughs> All right. Uh, so check us out: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm not gonna uh, say what I said last week because Nick was right, and I I double bagged myself. So just check us out: social media and uh, profoundly pointless, profoundly PP for uh, most of the accounts, and uh, that's where you can find us. All right, let's start with uh, Paul uh, Fran Rose. Peter Weir, Richard Dorsey. That's a, a name you don't uh, hear. No, that's every... a new one. You don't see a lot of Dorothys. Yeah, not uh, not usually, but appreciate you checking us out. Uh, Gary, Shane, Philip, Billy, and Leah. 
you all get the gold stars for the week. So uh, thanks for checking us out, and uh, I'm sure we'll have more more BS to spew this week. Okay. All right. Um, it's tough to wrap that one up, but uh, you know, I, I give myself a C plus for that uh, that round. Oh, um, I don't know about. No, that's probably right. The C to C plus. You did fine. You're back to that thing where you can't tell if you're giving somebody's first or last name or if that's just one person's name, like Billy Shane. Is that two people uh, or is that one person? Uh, all right, I'll add it to the list. You know, it's it's a growing pain. You know, we're just, we're working on it here. We're, we're trying. It's only been 111 episodes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it really has. Like, really, that's that's kind of incredible when you think about it. That there's something that you've done 111 times and still haven't gotten right. <laughs> that's kind of incredible like if you were at the free throw line and you took 111 free throws and missed them all I think I just get so excited and then I just completely <laughs> forget you know it's kind of like in the middle of sex when you just get so excited the next thing you know it's over I've never had it oh well you've never had <laughs> sex or you've never had that happen no dude it's just a joke man I guess it just wasn't funny alright let's Anyways. move on Alright, so uh you gonna you have to pick one to deliver your your packages. USPS or Amazon. Oh, Amazon does a pretty good job, man. I mean I live here in Seattle and I can order something and have it here in two hours. That is damn awesome. I can't get next day delivery on anything. What are you ordering that you can't get next day? Are you <laughs> like the guy who's like, I'm gonna buy this desk and I want it here in two hours? <laughs> I mean, I, I might have said something along those lines, but it was not a desk. No, it was it was a, a video game, actually. What video game was it? W- what does that matter? It matters a lot. Why can't you say what video game it was? Halo. The new one? Uh, the Master Chief, no, the Master Chief collection with uh, all of them for Xbox. Why wouldn't you just wait and buy the new one when it comes out? Why are you going to play all the old ones? You're really going to go back there and play a 10-year-old game? Yeah, I actually prefer to play, like, the first Halo over what I've played recently. Okay, so why don't you just buy the first one? <laughs> I, I I don't know. That's that's a great question that I do not have an answer for. Oh, way to think this through. This is incredible. <laughs> this is incredible. I, I, I don't understand why that... I it's it's updated graphics. It's a it's a new it's uh, an old game on a on a new gen system. Why why would I want to go back to the the original on a pixelated screen? So then why not just buy the new one when it comes out? There's a new Halo that's coming out. Why not just buy the newest new one? Right. I I may do that still, but I want to go back and play the series before the new one comes out, even though I didn't know a new one was coming out. Oh, okay. That makes a little bit more sense. You're ill informed. All right. Jesus, there's there's other things going on in the world than having to pay attention to the the Halo universe. I don't. Do you even, think Halo's better than Zelda? I've never played Halo actually, but even I know there's a new Halo coming out. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, let's 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 just fucking try to. Wolfenstein on, is still the best shooting game. Uh, I I what. I don't even know where to start with that. Let's, let's just move on before I say something stupid. You catch me in it when I was really just trying to make you sound stupid. Um, okay. <laughs> um, are you going to say you're sitting at dinner, uh, a regular chair or a chair with rolly wheels? What? What? What do you have at your dinner table that you have rolly wheels as your dinner table chair? <laughs> I've never even heard of that. You got like a 
office desk? An office chair? Do you have office chairs for your... <laughs> I, so I do, actually. I, I have... It's, it's an office chair at my dinner table. Holy that's what, shit. That's what sparked this question, Holy was my wife and I got into a pretty nasty... I mean, not nasty, but it was an argument. Because she, she doesn't want it at the table. But I don't want to sit on our Ikea chairs... Because I'm worried my fat ass is going to go through one of them. And I like the rolly chair. You ha- but she's, you know, adamant. No rolly chairs at the table. Yeah, dude. No rolly chairs at the table. That's ridiculous. Does it even match the general coloring theme of the rest of the the table? <laughs> not, not at all, man. It is like a, <laughs> it is a jet black, you know, prototypical. Oh, my God. Is it like that leather looking thing? No, I mean, it has a mesh backing, you know, like for the okay. for your back support. But okay. So wait it's, a minute. It's like, it's like you walk into any office building and it's the chair that's, you know, the, the generic chair in an office building. Okay. But you moved the pre-existing dinner chair out of the way to roll the rolly chair up there? <laughs> Holy I, crap, I didn't man. know that this was such a big thing. I, I That's why I wanted to bring it up. I, I didn't know, you know, I'm considering moving... You know, our, our table is on top of a rug in our in our dining room. And I'm considering buying just all rolly chairs for my table. Why would you have the table on top of a rug? That you're just gonna have stuff's gonna come off the table onto the rug, gets the rug dirty too. Well, because we have uh, hardwood floors, and the wife wanted you know something to go, you know, be a be the base for the table. She didn't want the table on the hardwood. So why don't you just use those little felt things that go underneath the table legs? Like every other person in the world. Why would you put a rug underneath a table, especially a dinner table? That's just going to get a dirty rug. That doesn't make any sense. Because I, I didn't I didn't have a say in this. So Well, you need to, yeah, you need to do something here. Because there's no reason to put a rug underneath a dinner table. You're just asking for that to get dirty. Especially when you have hardwoods underneath it. You didn't think any of this through. I, I, I didn't think about it at all. I don't care. She told me where to put it, and I put it. I don't, you know, I, I don't. She doesn't tell me how to organize my man cave. I'm not going to tell her how to organize our dining room. Okay. Man, that's just poor decision-making all around. You can tell her I said that. I've never said anything negative about your wife in any way. I question that decision. <laughs> I like how you're still PC enough to say you question the decision after just, uh, you know, chat. She, she's in tears now, by the way. I, I can see her, so no big deal. Heart, tough um, love. Tough love. Right? Like all <laughs> no, those times no. you got cut from the football team, the coaches had to let you know you weren't that good. <laughs> Basketball team, but same thing. Um, uh, nightlight or no nightlight? As an adult. Are, are, are you... Are you fucking kidding me? Do you have a nightlight right now? <laughs> Alright, two things, Rofa. First, I thought, I thought you were cutting in and out. That was impressive what you just did. Um... And no, I do not have a nightlight. Um, but I found out one of one of my family members has a nightlight, and they are relatively older. And it just made me think, like, you know, and they don't have a reason for it. They just sleep with it because because they they, they like it. Like they're you know they're not they didn't don't have any traumas, don't have any of this that you know would require them or maybe ease them you know by the light on. So I was just wondering, as an adult, nightlight, okay, I think it's fine. I don't, I mean, well, okay, I don't understand how it continues, right? That's that's the difficulty part that I have. 
right? Like if somebody jumped from childhood night light straight to adult light light, they just, you know what? I want to bring this back as an adult. But they skipped <laughs> that period between like 8 and 25 and they didn't have a night light during that period. Then I don't question the decision as much. But if for some reason you have always kept a nightlight, like, hey, man, I'm going over for sleepover at Jimmy's house. I got to bring my nightlight. <laughs> like, hey, Ricky, I'm your new college roommate, and this is my nightlight. Like, how does that happen? Because that's not acceptable in any way for you to continue to have it. If you suddenly just wanted to bring it back, all right, well, that makes a little bit of sense. Either way, I don't How much breathe? What are you doing? God dang, man. This is back. <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes I wonder if you actually put the phone in your mouth. <laughs> like when you're not talking, if you just like rest it inside your mouth. Oh, speaking of, I have uh, I have good news. Oh, okay. I, I have a pretty uh, clean bill of health. Uh, they, they, they did find a little bit of uh, possible skin cancer on my back of all things, uh, but I, I had it removed last week. Um. <laughs> And, and yeah, everything's good. Besides being fat and out of shape, uh, every everything's come back pretty good, except for that irregular mole that was growing hair on my back that had to be removed as soon as they found it. Was it like sun-related skin cancer? Because how did you just get that on the one spot in your back? I, I have no idea. I mean, you're a smart man, so you probably already know this, but apparently, uh, and it wasn't skin cancer. It it it, it was it was a it was cancerous, but it hadn't fully evolved yet. I don't want people to think I had cancer because, as we know, that's super serious. Either way, apparently melanoma or skin cancer can, like, it takes years. So, like, I could have gotten a sunburn 10 years ago, and it now could just be, like, forming or, or you know, happening, which is kind of insane to think about. I'm going to say this is 100% a result of the fact that you couldn't re reach a spot in your back. <laughs> Well, I actually, I, I owe it all to my wife because she's the one who found it. I mean, like, like you just said, I, I mean, can you, can you reach your entire back? I can't even see my back. I'm not afraid to get lubed up by a man. <laughs> Either way, uh, yeah. So they removed it. Uh, everything's good. I think I, you know, well, okay. we'll see. We'll see what happens. Okay. And then the next fucking day, I, I, I like call my doctor because I was uh, weed whipping. And I cut, I have like a, probably a seven inch laceration on my oh fucking my ankle. You God. ever do that? That you're hurts a, like a bitch. Yeah, dude. If you're out there, first of all, there's no one calls it weed whipping. It's called weed whacking. And if you don't come out of weed whacking with some sort of blood on your leg, then you haven't been doing it right. Why are you wasting <laughs> your doctor's time for a whack from a weed whacker? That's ridiculous. He should get rid of you as a patient. Like, oh, you got hit by the little whippy thing? Poor baby. You're a grown man. Wait a day. You know, you ever, you ever wonder why your father's a doctor and you didn't follow his footsteps? He's, that's what he would have told you. He would have hung up on you. <laughs> he would have hung up on you if you called him like that. No, he, no, he wouldn't have. Your father, though I don't know him very well, is a very kind, generous man. He is, but I will tell you this, that I once busted my chin open, came in, and he looked at it and he said, that should get stitches. Did we go get the stitches? No, we did not. Did I ever get the stitches? No, I did not. But he, as a doctor, said, oh, wow, that should get stitches, and then did nothing about it. And All right, let's move on. This isn't the fucking John and Nick Healthcare Problems podcast. <laughs> I just miss you, buddy. I don't talk to you all but once a week, and we've been doing it for almost two years now. I know. It's nice. 
nice. Anyways, yes. Intro our top five, please. Did you do all your things? Are you done? I'm done, man. We we are moving on. People have already turned us off because of me, but they're turning us back on now for the top five. You think that's how it works? They turned it all the way off. They didn't just skip ahead. They just said, you know what? I'm going to turn the whole thing off. I'm going to let it sit. Then I'm going to turn it back on for the top five. That's it's it. like the you know the 15 seconds ahead. They just press it and press it until they stop hearing me talk. And then they you know they go, okay, well, we're in the, we're in the clear. Oh, okay. Um, so our top five <laughs> is top five things that you should never get rid of. What's your number five? I have like old notes, like, you know, birthday cards, things oh. like that. You're so sentimental. What? <laughs> You're I, what? So sentimental. This is from Stacy. Stacy wrote me this note in second grade. No, it says, you... I choo choo choose you, Valentine, so I kept it this whole time. I'm, t- I'm, I'm meaning more of like your adult life, like from your wife or partner, whoever, not from like Olivia in the second grade. Okay. All right. My number five is a t-shirt. Should never okay. throw out a t-shirt. I mean, that's even if it's a terrible t-shirt, that's a good rag. I, I have that on the list a little bit higher, so we can, uh, you know, we can come back to that. My uh, my number four is cardboard boxes. Okay, that's a, I I respect it, right? Especially especially if you're talking about like a a moving box, like a TV moving box or a wardrobe moving box. Yeah. Ooh, unless you sell that, man, that's a hard thing to get rid of. And they always, like, you always have shit to store, right? They always come into play one way or the other. And when you always need a box, they're never there. You're like, I should have kept it. Right. My number four is actually a toothbrush. They're, they're pretty handy for a lot of other things besides just dental care. Like cleaning a toilet? Cleaning a toilet, cleaning grout. Okay. You know? I would love to know if you've ever cleaned grout. Uh, before. Yeah, dude. I'm a grown-ass man. I've cleaned grout. I've seen more grout. Talk to me about grout, son. Oh, okay. all right. I power-washed my patio this week. Oh, ho, ho, ho. you want to talk about something that's, like, monotonous but kind of fun? Power-washing. <laughs> I I'm, I told you I'm getting ready to do it actually myself uh, this week, so oh, I I'll let co- you know how it goes. You, get, you buying one? You getting a rental? I, I had uh, I had to actually uh, borrow one from a, a work uh, coworker. Okay, all right. I'm sure that's not going to come back neatly. <laughs> uh, no, probably not. Actually, um, uh, probably not. My uh, <laughs> always. Rem- I, got, I got nothing else to. <laughs> okay, just remember that if the tip gets jammed, stare into it and pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you thought I was calling my doctor about bullshit in the beginning. Um, I wonder that, what the I wonder what the ratio of people injured by fireworks to power washers is. <laughs> like for every you think per- there's a lot of uh power washing severe incidents? I think there's not a lot of severe incidents, but I think there's a lot of stupid shit, right? I'm sure somebody puts their hand in front of it like <laughs> This thing's not that tough. It's like a bidet. Oh shit, my hand's cut in half. <laughs> I bet there's probably there's probably one power washing injury for every twenty five firework injuries. Okay, what's what are we? Where are we at? <laughs> I'm on my number three, which is uh, shoes. Oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, I think you always need. My thought on this was you always need like a, you know an outside pair of shoes or you know a picking up dog shit pair of shoes and you know you. 
You just you should keep shoes around unless they're like literally ripped in half. You should probably keep your shoes around. How many different kinds of specialty shoes do you have? Uh, I have at least two old pairs that I keep for picking up dog crap and uh, like working around the house. Okay, you have special shoes to pick up dog crap. Not special. Not they're just an old pair that I've like you know. Oh, it's time to go. You know. Clear, clear out my uh, my yard for landmines. Better put on these shoes just in case. Okay, I actually found a number. In the last year, how many people in the United States do you think went to the emergency room with injuries related to power washers? Oh, my God. I'm going to say uh, 450. 6,057, with 14% of those leading to additional hospitalization. Damn. <laughs> what did you do to that power? I mean, it had to like blow up on them, right? It's not like somebody just sprayed themselves in the face and then just kept spraying themselves in the face. Well, Unless I think to, like, we need explode. to find out what additional hospitalization means. I mean, like they just got stitches or like they an overnight stay? I don't know, dude. I'm just asking the question. I wasn't asking you to answer it. Call your dad. He doesn't know about power washers. <laughs> What's your number three? Hold on, dude. I'm looking this up. <laughs> <laughs> and the intermission brought to you oh, by most uh, of the injuries. Most of the injuries with power washers are a result of using too narrow of a hose, in which people. Okay, all right. My number three is sporting equipment. Any kind of sporting equipment. Okay, uh, you know, even even like the basketball that has no, uh, you know, tread on it, or, or or baseball bats that are, you know, I think well beyond their prime, just keeping anything. Oh, a baseball bat doesn't work. Is it broken? Uh, I mean, then it's a I mean, working it, baseball bat. It, it depends on what, if you're going out to use it in a competition. Yes, baseball bats, like anything, do go past their prime and require an update. But if you're just keeping it around your house in case someone breaks in, I get it. So wait a minute. You're going to tell me that the baseball bat industry has fooled people into thinking that they have worn out a metal bat because they're so good? Like, they just hit so hard, they have worn out a metal bat, and you need to buy a new one. I can tell you from experience that, yes, the metal warps or the metal disintegrates over time by the usage of it, uh, or, or it tears away, it wears away, yes. You're so, you're so powerful, you're swinging the metal off your own bat. That's what, so, that's once, what somebody's I, trying to tell me. I once, personally, you can choose to believe this or not, I think I still have the bat, Hit a baseball with a metal bat once, and the metal bat literally got had a depression on the top of it, where where basically it started to come apart because it had been used so much. Okay, was it actually a metal bat, or was it like a steel pipe that you found in the gutter? No, it, it was a. I mean, the technology's gotten much better, I'm sure, for oh, kids nowadays. But it technology. It would have been top of the line back in the day. Okay, how much are we talking? You're gonna buy a top of the line baseball bat that's gonna get dinged by a baseball? That doesn't seem I like mean, a top-of-the-line bat. I mean, I don't know what bats run out at. I can tell you back when I played, it was 250 300 bucks per bat probably. Wow, I'd be taking that back. <laughs> You're going to sell me a piece of metal that got dented by a baseball. That seems to me to be a little ridiculous. Maybe I know nothing about bats, but that seems to be a pretty big con job that they're really just selling you cheap-ass bats. I, I'm going to go on a limb and say you probably don't really know about baseball bats but i don't disagree with you that it's a little bit of a con but i mean everything's a little bit of a con okay what's your number two uh t-shirts 
Oh, okay. That's I could see that. I could see that. That's fair. That's legit. I like What's it. your number two? Gas can. Okay, so my number one is, is like paint cans or gas cans. All right, I don't understand the paint cans. I mean, unless you're just keeping it for the color purposes. What do you keep? Well, it, what else are you keeping in a paint can besides paint? I mean, but you can keep them and put. They're they're all like multi-purpose, right? Because they're metal, you can put them in the garage. You can store stuff in them in the house. It's like. You know, but everyone like like I used to just throw my paint cans away, but now I use them for a multiple variety of things. Okay, well, like what? Uh, for uh, well, for instance, a, a nail holder, like you know, a spare nail holder. Good, um, good, good, good. That's good. It's acceptable. <laughs> All right, you have one legitimate example. Continue. Uh, uh painting stuff like uh, rulers and some brushes. We've we've done that. Okay. Um, my wife also has a paint can full of uh, seeds, you know, like the baggies, the seed bags and stuff. So, yeah, they're just really good multi-purpose uh, things that you probably shouldn't throw away. Okay. No, that's a completely legitimate answer. I like it. <laughs> What's your number one, you douchebag? Uh, plastic or paper bags? Okay. I mean, I'm guilty. I, I don't buy paper bags uh, or whatever or, or, or use them, but plastic, I'm guilty of recycling. Yes, I do not keep mine. Well, yeah, you can recycle them, but I would never just throw it away. Like, I'm just going to throw this plastic bag away. <laughs> Fuck you, plastic bag. Who you, plastic? Shit. That has to be the stupidest thing in my mind, right? Like, I know we don't talk a lot about politics and stuff on like that, but does anybody really like their plastic bag? Like, no. <laughs> You're not getting rid of this plastic bag. Like, I mean, I, I don't get that one at all. Like, no way. They're trying to ban plastic bags. <laughs> really? <laughs> like you really wanted them that badly? All I'll say is I don't really understand half the stuff that people take stances on. Uh, see now, now, now I gotta say, Nick. I'm oh, sorry. Okay, here we go. It's gonna be like the vaccine for COVID, right? Half half of the people aren't gonna take it or won't take it, and it's like you know, I mean, I understand that to a certain degree, but it's like the plastic bag thing. It's like. Just why, you know? I mean, just just why do you have a rift with seeming, seeming, seemingly everything? I Everyone, including myself, we all have things. We're all just, you know, we just love to complain about things. And plastic bags is, is fucking ridiculous. You know, though, the good thing, I guess, about the power washers is it doesn't look like there's any that were responsible for long-term stays. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I don't know how this top five was, right? Like, I felt like it would be pretty interesting. Thought there'd really be some good suggestions. I don't know if John and I really came through, though. So if you guys have some better ones, we would love to hear it. Really appreciate you guys checking out the show. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. Really helps us out. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.